Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the gift you have given us in your word, in your son, Christ Jesus. I pray this morning that through the power of the Holy Spirit, we come to know, to love, to follow Christ Jesus evermore. So guide us during this message. Be present, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. In my early 20s, I learned how to juggle. So I did uh, three ball juggling. I even did clubs a little bit. And, you know, I got okay at it. I wasn't great. I wasn't going to go on any talent show, but I got okay at it because I practiced quite a bit. And uh, then, you know, as time goes on, you get older, I, I just didn't do it as much, which is not a big deal until I was a participant in a workshop one time when I was in corporate America, and I mentioned to the instructor that I, I juggled. And so the next day, he had three bean bags there for me. And he said, come on up. And I said, okay. And you know what? The knowledge I had didn't quite equate into the practice of juggling. And there's a difference, right, between remembering things and actually being able to do them. It's the same thing. I used to play cornet, trumpet, uh, in high school. And, you know, after high school, even in college, I practiced a bit. And then uh, I didn't pick it up for years. Now, my fingers still know how, what to do, but my lips Nothing. It's like a, a bad, sick cow sound, you know, that makes it there. Because there's a knowledge, right, between actually knowing, remembering, and doing it, or putting things into practice. It's the same thing with our walk of faith. Same thing with our walk of faith. There's a difference, a whole difference, between just knowing about or remembering certain things and putting them into practice, when you put your faith into practice, not just a belief, but a practice, you are then walking in the light of Christ Jesus. And when you are walking in his light, you are being purified. You are growing. You are maturing into the light of Christ Jesus, into his image. That's our walk of faith. So, John, with a very pastoral heart here, is writing to his beloved children. And he's helping them to understand not only their faith, but the practice of their faith. So our walk this morning is this. Jesus, who died for our sins, is our advocate. Therefore, keep his commandments and abide in him and walk in love. That's our journey this morning. So let's begin our journey. It is from 1 John chapter 2, starting verse 1, and actually it's going to be 1 through 2. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. So you can see that John really has a pastor's heart. He's writing, my little children. And he's writing to those who are beloved in Christ Jesus so that they don't sin. But like little children, they, he knows that they will fall. 
that they will fail, that they will sin. You see, the problem with failing, with falling, with sinning, is that we first hide. We want to hide our sin from other people and certainly from God. We want to hide our sin from the light of God, from the light of day. That's the natural reaction, and it's been that way since the beginning. Think about Adam and Eve in the garden, right? When they were there, they had a desire for what God had forbidden. And that desire grew and manifested itself into sin. Where there was once joy, there was now fear. Where there was once fellowship and communion, there was alienation. Where there was once love, now there was shame. And this is what sin does automatically to us. Sin actually separates us from full fellowship and joy. Remember, the natural reaction is we want to hide our sin from God and from other people. When I was young, uh, I, I think I might have told the story, to you, some of you might have remembered, but I had a slingshot, a rocket slingshot, you know, like really powerful one. And I was there, and I was aiming at cars. I wasn't a good aim, but one time I hit a car. And to my dismay, it stopped. And so my friend and I, we ran around the house. He was faster than me. He ran home. I ran and hid in the camper that we had, you know, one of those pull-out campers. I hid in the camper, and even when my father called me, like, God, finding where are you? I hid because I was afraid. I was ashamed. And there's that guilt that you have, right? There's that guilt that you're going to be found out. And there's a separation then, certainly a separation from me and my father, but certainly then you could say any sin that we do have is a separation from us and from God. And it robs us of that fellowship, right? It robs us of that fellowship and joy. See, the thing of sin, who are followers in Christ Jesus, is that you know what you've done is wrong, right? You know what you've done is wrong, and then you hear the voice accusing you, saying you're such a loser, how could you have ever done that? And you start to think you can't be forgiven. You feel accused. I don't know if you feel that way, but I certainly feel accused. And this is also where the devil comes in and is at his strongest. When you have sinned, you hear the voice of Satan accusing you before God and telling him that you cannot possibly be one of his children. Satan points his finger at you and says, Ah, you're a sinner. Now look at you. You've sinned. You no longer deserve the love of God. You no longer deserve to be called one of his children. That's what the accuser does. This is the insidious effect of sin, the insidious effect of Satan. But God and the love of God, and I'm here to tell you today, 
The love of God is greater than your sin. There is hope. There is reconciliation. And his name is Jesus. You see, the verses that we have here should actually bring you great, great comfort to encourage you, to help you stand when you have failed, when you have fallen, when you have sinned. The verse is this, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Whereas Satan accuses you and says you are unworthy, in Christ Jesus, you have an advocate. In Christ Jesus, you have an advocate. He represents you. He defends you. He is your intercessor. So how can he do this? How can he be your advocate and intercessor? Because he lived the life you, we all should live. He lived a perfect, sinless life. And he met all of the demands of the law. And he defeated Satan. He defeated sin. He defeated death itself. And through his life, his death and resurrection on the cross, he now stands at the very throne of God, being your intercessor. To paraphrase Martin Luther, Jesus cries out before the Father, Spare him, and I am spared. Forgive him, and I am forgiven. The righteousness of Jesus Christ is standing on our side, for the righteousness of God in him is ours. That's who you have as your advocate when you fail, you fall, when you sin. He is your intercessor. I would encourage you to go to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 through 16. It says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. And that, brothers and sisters, is not only for you apart, but for us corporate. We come before the very throne of God and receive his grace. We receive his forgiveness because Christ Jesus is our advocate. He's our intercessor. So we do have great, great hope. Because he is our advocate, because he is our intercessor, one who died for us, we should walk in the light. But the question is, okay, that, that sounds kind of church. It is churchy, right? I mean, how often do you hear that anywhere else outside of church? I mean, if you were at a restaurant and somebody says, are you walking in the light? You'd be like, what, what are you talking about? So how do you know, though, what it, what it is even to walk in the light? 
Well, John actually makes this really clear. It is not a mystery. It is not a mystery at all. Verses 3 through 6. And by this, we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. So let's make this really, really simple. If you love someone, you will have an outward sign of that expression of love, right? If they ask you to do something because of the inward love, there's an outward expression of that. Let me give you an example. Heidi does our laundry. I've not been fully banned, but mostly banned from doing laundry. I understand a lot of husbands are in that same boat. So, she has asked me, though, to take my pants, button zip them, and then turn them inside out, right? So they last longer. Now, it's taken me, (laughs) we've been married 30 years, I think it's taken me about 28 years to learn that. Uh, I think I'm getting better at it. But why do I do that? Because I love her. It is an outward expression of the inward love. You understand this, right? Like if I didn't do stuff like that, you would say, well, do you love your wife? So we understand that very easily. Now, to know Jesus is to keep his commandments. To know Jesus is to keep his commandments. When you know him as Lord and Savior, the one who died for you, the one who still stands before the very throne of God, being your intercessor, and you have that love, you should want to then have an outward expression by keeping his commandments. Let's make this really, really simple, okay? Here we go. God so loved the world that he what? Gave his only son, Jesus, right? And when we realize that Jesus is Lord and Savior and died for us and we are filled with the love of Christ Jesus, we obey. It's actually very simple that way, isn't it? It's not complicated, folks. It's not rocket surgery. See if that one flew by. All right. It isn't, but we we do that because that's the flow of the gospel. It is God acting through Christ Jesus, and because of the gospel, we love him and thus we obey. This is not hard, but what's hard is we want to turn this around. We want to actually reverse this whole thing. Rather than keeping the commandments as an outward sign of the inward life in Christ, People want to keep the commandments in order to know him and gain his love and approval. Like if I can only do enough things, I will finally be uh, loved by God and he will approve of me and thus I will be in his good grace. That's how it gets turned around. And even with the stalwart Christians, it's really easy to get this one turned around as well. 
The trouble is it leads you in two different directions. One direction is despair because how hard do you have to work? How good do you have to be at keeping his commandments? There's always going to be that doubt. There's always going to be that treadmill. There's always going to be that burden. And after a while, you think, I can't do this anymore. This Christianity thing is too hard, and you are left with despair. That's one side. The other side says, well, you know what? I can't keep the commandments anyway, so okay, sarah, sarah. I'm just going to trust on God's grace and I'm going to do whatever I want. So I'm going to drink, I'm going to gamble, I'm going to look at pictures I shouldn't be looking at. All of that stuff because God's merciful, right? So that's one way you end up. But what does John have to say about that? He says, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. What's the old song? To know, know, know him, right? Can you sing along? To know, know, know him is to love, love, love him and to love, I'm going to now, and to love, love, love him is to obey, obey, obey. I'm going to just mess with your minds on that song. But that's how it really should go, right? To know him is to love him. To love him is to obey. That is the natural flow of this. See, the knowledge we gain from God's word, we come here each Sunday, right? We do Bible study. We gain knowledge of God's word, but that word must impact our hearts. It must convict us of the need to obey what we have learned. That's the flow. That's the walk. See, our faith is a not only just a belief, it is a practice. Now, you might be wondering, okay, so what are some of those commands that Jesus gave? Well, just read the Gospel of John. There's plenty of things in there. So, Gospel of John, chapter 13. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, this is not just a feeling of love. This is a self-sacrificial love, one that gives yourself to another. That's the kind of love that Jesus said we're to have with each other. Okay, you could always do the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5. There's a lot of things in Matthew chapter 5. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Or how about this? But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil, but if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. These are hard lessons, right? Because these lessons, these commands are out of a pure love of God. A pure love from God. See, to to know him is to love him. To love him is to keep his commandments. To keep his commandments is to be perfected 
in the love of God. When you actually take this seriously and you practice the walk of Christ Jesus, sometimes it's going to be rough. Sometimes you're going to be really upset. Sometimes you're going to be frustrated. But throughout all of this, God is perfecting His love in you. And you mature in Christ Jesus. Verse 5 says, But whoever keeps his word, in him the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. You become transformed. You become conformed into his image, right? We should all be able to see more and more of Christ in each other. And people in the walk of life should see Christ in us. So there's a song we're going to sing for communion. It actually fits in really well. It says, when we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still. And with all who will, trust and obey. So it's a perfect song for today. Our walk in the Lord. And when we walk in him, we are to walk in love. So I'm going to read verse 7 through 10. Beloved, I'm writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At that same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away. And the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So John has uh, quite a few things to say here about love and about how we are to walk in love and how we are to love our brother. And he says, this isn't a new commandment. You've heard this before. He's actually referencing, I think, the Old Testament. A lot of people think the Old Testament, well, that's just old stuff. It's just all rules and things like that. But when you take a look at the Old Testament, what do you see as a through line? you actually see the love of God as the through line through the Old Testament. And if you haven't seen that, it's time to go back through and start reading that, the love of God. So I believe that John is also referencing something from the Old Testament from Leviticus. Leviticus says this, You shall not hate your brother in your heart. But you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So God actually stamps his name on what he just said. That's the importance of it. So we are commanded to love God, right? So if I said to you, do you love God? You'd say what? Yeah. Then if I said, do you love your neighbor? 
Get a little pause in there, right? Right? It all depends on what neighbor you're talking about. Like, I, I, I love, okay, I, I love some of my neighbors, some of the time, but, right? <laughs> but we really kind of go, Ugh! But you know what? When you start to love your neighbor, the love of God is perfected in you. That's what he's talking about here. And he's reflecting what Jesus said too, love your enemies. Did Jesus die for his friends? He died for those who were in sin, who were enemies of him, who were set in rebellion against him. Now, did Jesus get angry at people? Yes. Did he rebuke people? Did he uh, give them discipline, so to speak, of what to do and what not to do? Yes, he did that. But could you ever said, say that Jesus held hate or hatred in his heart? You would never say that of Christ Jesus, that he had the love for people. He didn't bear a grudge. He had the love. See, when you bear a grudge, when you have hatred in your heart for one another, there's bitterness, right? And I bet you know some people who like to nurse their bitterness, like to drink from that cup of bitterness, and also in conversation want to share that cup with you. I bet you know people who want to share bitterness. I have a, a very good friend. I've, I've known him longer than I've known my wife, and he, uh, he has a lot of bitterness, and he can be pretty verbose. And because I'm a friend, I sit with him, I'll listen to him, but I don't drink from that same cup because I know it would also poison me because it's very, very dark. So if you are nursing bitterness right now towards another, stop drinking from that cup. It's killing you. And if you are simply engaged with other people who only want to share bitterness with you, it might be time to disengage from such friends because it's not only killing them, it's poisoning you as well. And you live in darkness. See, we're supposed to live in the light and love of Christ Jesus. Right? That's what we're supposed to do. And when you walk in that love, when you walk in His light, when you obey His commandments, his love is perfected in you, and you are conformed into the image of Christ Jesus. When we are in the light of Christ Jesus and are practicing his light, we are shaped, we are conformed into his image. And thus we shine, and others see Christ in us, and we get to share that with them. This is what John's writing about. This is what God is giving to us. Not only believing in Christ Jesus, but living it out in practice. So it's time for practice. Here's your assignment for the week. First of all, when you sin, not if, when, when you sin, don't hide from God. Know that Jesus is your advocate and that you have forgiveness 
in him and that his love is greater than your sin. Read the Gospel of John. I've said that, I think, last week. Read the Gospel of John, 21 chapters, 21 days. What are some of the commandments in the Gospel of John that you should put into practice? And finally, when you practice, don't despair if you fail or fall. See, some people will read just one chapter or two and, and then a week will go by and they haven't read anything else and they go, nah, I guess that's it. No, you know, you fail, you, you pick yourself up and you begin again. Because remember, you have an advocate whose grace and love is greater than your failing. And when you're practicing walking in love and loving your neighbor is messy, I know, loving your neighbor is messy, Know that the love of God is being perfected in you. And to that, everyone says, Amen. Amen. Amen.